Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. They know the ins and outs of everywhere we're going. They will protect you. Horses, run! And they just like, <laughs> block. I was like, what? <laughs> I feel like I got a great break on a used car. I, I, I thought that, was, that was a great, great quote. <laughs> this is war, Marcus. He's going to the bathroom. Are you in his house, you little psycho? <laughs> Get that out of there. Look, it's a giant womb. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> That's a big chill. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play or wherever you're listening to this podcast. How you doing? What's up? Nothing. I just thought about thought we'd uh, chill out today. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that's some segue. They're right. I try. A big chill out. A big chill out. Maybe. <laughs> wow. Thought we have a nice big chill. <laughs> hey, guess what movie we're doing? Uh, Rocky. Yes. All right. The uh, yes, the boxing drama Rocky from 1976. <laughs> I believe it's 76. Nice. No, we are actually doing the big chill from 1983. Let's hit the synopsis. Don't stop banging your cup on the table, Sorry. brother. And then we'll get into the facts, and then we'll talk about how brother hated it. Right. Okay. So a once close knit gang of friends, including an actor, a doctor, and her husband, a Vietnam veteran and a journalist meet for a weekend after the funeral of their much-envied friend Alex, who committed suicide. The friends spend the weekend confronting the personal truths, sacrifices, and betrayals that have left them disenchanted. Each must contend with unresolved issues they have with Alex and with one another. This is a terrible synopsis. It's it not a great synopsis. It completely ignores the entire theme of the friggin' movie, which is ridiculous. I also like how that's they envied their friend Alex. Yeah, None of them they, envied yeah. Alex. I mean, at all. come on. That's not a, a that's, single one. That's uh that's not a good synopsis. Don't don't the shame on you, random film synopsis on on, <laughs> on Google. Terrible. Terrible. All right. So the big chill is uh, has a runtime of 105 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of eight million dollars. It came out on Friday, September 30th, 1983. Opening weekend, it did three point six million. A domestic or worldwide, it's are the same. It did fifty six million dollars. So I, I would consider this a hit. Mm-hmm. Production company was Carson Productions and was distributed by Columbia Pictures. So I said it came out on the thirtieth. It went up against in a wide release, The Lonely Lady, starring Pia Zadora, and Beyond the Limit. And then in a limited release, Brainstorm. You know what Brainstorm is about, Butler? Because I watched a trailer for it. Uh, the title sounds familiar, but no, I do not know. So Christopher Walken, and he has discovered a way for people to experience uh, other people's brains. Like, yes, yeah, yes, exactly. yes. Uh, so basically, the constant. I've never the seen it, but I have seen Strange it Days, maybe a little bit of Inception. So yep. you know, it was interesting. Uh, anyways, uh, I. I saw the trailer. I was like, hmm, maybe I'll try to catch that movie. <laughs> uh, Cliff Robertson's in that too. And uh, Natalie Wood. Okay. So anyways, the week after the 7th of October, you had a wide release of Never Say Never Again. Hey, one movie I've heard of. <laughs> the movie Romantic Comedy. And then a limited release of The Smurfs and the Magic Flute and Never Cry Wolf. And the week before the 23rd, you had a limited release of Eddie and the Cruisers and Educating Rita. Did you, you remember Eddie and the Cruisers you've heard of, right? No. Interesting. Name sounds vaguely familiar, but no, I can't it's, tell you. I it's know. about like a, Eddie and the Cruz is a band that everyone thought was dead, and and you know they were. You know, they, think, no, really, it's not ringing a bell. No. Wow, wow, it's pretty pretty popular movie. I mean, Smurfs and the Magic Flute, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's sounds, about it. This is not like downright. Brainstorm, Never Say Never Again, and that's about it that I've heard of. Smurfs and the Magic Flute sounds uh, downright pornographic. It does. I I actually don't know if I've actually seen that. I know of the Smurfs, <laughs> but I don't know if I've seen that movie. <laughs> so Big Chill was directed by Lawrence Kazan, who has done Body Heat, French Kiss, Mumford, Silverado, Dreamcatcher, which is an episode we did, and I Love You to Death, which is another episode we did. That guy I've heard of. Yes. <laughs> he also wrote this film along with Barbara Benedict. I believe I said her name right. Kazan also was nominated for two Oscars for writing for Grand Canyon and The Accidental Tourist, but he has also written Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and Wyatt Earp, which I'm sure everyone has heard of. Uh, Benedict has written Immediate Family, uh, Men Don't Leave, and the 1995 remake Sabrina, which I actually enjoy. That's a good one. 
Cinematography was John Bailey, who is on Ordinary People, the Pope of Greenwich Village, in the line of fire. Nobody's Fool, an episode we did, and The Way, Way Back, which I believe is on our big list. Yes. Edited by Carol Littleton, who was nominated for an Oscar for editing for E.T., uh, she was also she also edited White Palace, Beloved, and The Truth About Charlie. E.T. came out what, the same year? No, E.T. is 1981. Okay. okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, oh, <laughs> produced by Michael Shamberg, who was nominated for an Oscar for Aaron Brockovich, because I obviously was nominated for Best Picture. He also produced Gattaca, Django Unchained, and Out of Sight. Uh, so this cast is, I thought when I, when I was, before I did this, I was like, oh, this cast is going to be long. It's not really. It's not as it's not our longest cast that we've ever done. It's like a seven it's a seven cast yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tom Berenger as Sam. He is nominated for an Oscar for Platoon. He's also in Major League, Inception, Shoot to Kill, which is an episode we did, and Shattered, which I recommend. Oh, uh, Shat- oh Shattered is the movie that I saw the trailer of when yeah. we watched it. Yes. And I, I do want to watch Shattered. Yeah, you should watch it. I remember really liking the movie. Now, um, I, maybe as I got older, maybe it's maybe it doesn't have much of an impact. But well, I remember when I watched it, I, I dug it. Uh, Glenn Close as Sarah. She is nominated for six Oscars, Butler. Ooh. Seven Oscars, Ooh. But, but never won. She's never crazy. won an Oscar. She's nominated for The World According to Garp, The Natural, Fatal Attraction, Dangerous Liaisons, Albert Nobbs, The Wife, and Hillbilly Elegy. And I apologize, not seven, eight, because she's nominated for this role as uh, in the big chill. Yeah, damn. But we'll get to that. That's we'll, crazy. But we'll get to that later. We're going to have some fun there. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum as Michael. He was nominated for an Oscar for, I don't know if he produced it or he was in it, but for a short film, Little Surprises. So he probably produced it. He also was in The Fly, obviously Jurassic Park. Uh, and Who did he play in Jurassic Park? Uh, Ian Malcolm, which <laughs> oh. he's doing... The palm thing in this movie. Did you notice that? With, I did yeah. notice when he's with Chloe. My note is like, oh, he's doing an Ian Malcolm so right you here. Put the drop right there. What do you think? The drop's <laughs> oh, but, but he's preparing. Right. He's also in Powder, if anyone wants to see Powder. Or you may not want to. Uh, <laughs> William Hurt plays Nick. Obviously, William Hurt actually just passed away last month, which is... Uh, Makes me sad watching this film. Us, yes. Yeah. Uh, rest in peace. He won an Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman. He was also nominated for an Oscar for Children of the Lesser God, A History of Violence, and Broadcast News. So well done. He's also in Mr. Brooks, an episode we did. He's also in I Love You to Death, an episode we did. Yes. <laughs> I, I always forget, like, he pops up. He's so good on I Love You to Death. Yes. Kevin Klein is Harold. Harold is actually the husband of Sarah, Glenn Close's character, just to give you kind of like a, an idea of what, where these people <laughs> match up. With. Yeah, exactly. He won an Oscar for, he's actually only been nominated once and won for A Fish Called Wanda. He's and also, he was also what I love you to death. He did. He's, he's in Chaplin, In and Out, The Emperor's Club, and The Starling, which is the Netflix film. I don't know if I know that one. It's with Melissa McCarthy. Uh, that's why I don't know this. Well, I will tell you this. Uh, that's fine because the, the movie's eh. He's actually pretty good in the movie. I like he's, him. He's a supporting role. Uh, Mary Kay plays Meg. She's in the TV show Big Love for fans of Big Love, which I am. She's in Private Benjamin. She's also in Captain Ron, which I completely forgot about, and The Rainmaker. Meg Tilly as Chloe. She was nominated for an Oscar for Agnes of God. She's also in Psycho 2, which came out the same year as this movie. So this was like her big coming out year. She's in The Two Jakes Butler, which is an episode we did, and mm-hmm. Body Snatchers. Joe Beth Williams as Karen. Uh, she was nominated for an Oscar for a short film on Hope. She's in Welcome Home, In the Land of, the Wom- in the Land of Women, and... And a movie that everyone should watch, I hope. Poltergeist. That's right. <laughs> and you then, buried the butt. No, you move the grains. You move the gravestones. You move the, the yeah, the graves, but you you uh never move the, the bodies. Left yeah. the bodies. You never move the bodies. Sorry. So Don Galloway plays Richard, who is the husband of Karen. He's not one of the friends, even though they uh oh no, that would they reference uh Harold in that synopsis. So Richard plays the husband of Karen. He leaves after the first day. He's in Two Moon Junction in the TV show Ironside. And then Butler, I talked to you about last week about who was in it, but you wouldn't know as a big actor, but I'm sure you already read who was in it and they never showed his face. I did indeed. Who is that? Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner plays Alex, Alex in an unreleased role. Well, he's the body in that they're dressing in the beginning of the movie, the opening credits. You see his wrist with you see the, his uh, face. You see his, yeah, you see his wrist, you see his hair. You don't see his face because you see his hair, you see his clothes, you see his hands. At the end of the thing, you see the wrist. And I'm going to get to all that so he was supposed to be in the movie they actually shot uh they actually did uh the last 10 minutes of the movie was supposed to be a flashback of them having a thanksgiving dinner right. with him and i guess for whatever reason they didn't think it fit they thought it kind of made it it kind of changed the tone of the film and the theme of the film a little bit so they basically cut it out but to make up to for him for that so because Lawrence kazan obviously felt bad because he just 
it was probably going to be Kevin Costner's big break a little bit. Right. Yeah. To make up for that fact, he offered in the lead role in the movie Silverado, which pretty much launched his career, which yep. is pretty, it's a pretty cool, like little nugget of film history. There. Cut you out of your small little bit here, dud, but, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to put gonna you in this. Big. He's, and he's really good in Silverado cause he's that wise cracking character. I don't know if you've seen Silverado. I've seen parts of Silverado. Yeah. Oh, no. He's, a, maybe I've seen Silverado. It's, he's really good. It's like a, it's it's a western, but he's like a, like the wisecracking young uh, cowboy, and he's like he's got like the fastest gun kind of stuff. He's, right. he's, Jeff Goldblum's in that too. Jeff Goldblum was a bad guy, well, kind of a bad guy in that. Really? Yeah, he's like a slimy guy kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, no. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> go watch Silverado. But we're talking about the Big Chill. So I have seen this movie before. You have not? No. Butler's never seen this film. I did not know what the Big Big Chill was. I always thought it was like a cool hand Luke kind of a thing. Oh, really? Okay, good. Yeah. I'm curious your thoughts as we get into it. Um, overall thoughts, I guess. Uh, I would love to be in this movie. That's, what I, that's one of the things I figured. Uh, out. This movie is great. This is an actor's movie. This uh-huh. is a movie where if you're an actor, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of watching this movie, I think that the beginning made me like bored to tears. And then once the big chill, quote unquote, started happening, it was interesting and drew you in. But I think the Alex stuff actually kind of draws it back. What's I the, almost what, think that there needs to be another insight. What incident. stuff in the beginning was boring you? <sighs> Their lack of conversation with each other. You're talking after the, the, the lack of buildup. Right. In the church? Like in the that church, kind of stuff? all that okay. kind of stuff. Right, it okay. takes a while to get to the actual chill where they're doing everything for the weekend. And I think that... While they are introducing each character individually a little bit, I don't think they do a good enough job introducing certain characters and they do. Maybe they focus on other characters more than they need to, uh, where they could do shorter scenes that specify each character, but focus on some of the, the characters that you really don't get much of like there are like half the characters I really I had to learn to look like, you know, Sam right off the bat, you know, Sarah and Harold, because obviously they're kind of the mains, Mm -hmm. you know, Michael. And that's it. You really don't know. Meg and Karen and Nick are kind of just like they're there. And Chloe obviously is um, not part of their friends group. It was Alex's girlfriend before he passed away. So, you know, 50 percent of your characters, you don't really get a good enough introduction to. I don't think. Well, this is going to be interesting episode. So I think this is a movie that you probably need to watch more than once. Because there was stuff, I, not you, but in general. Um, <laughs> but me in general. But you, well, there were things I was picking up in this film that I didn't really pick up before. Like the stuff with Nick, William Hurt's character. You learn about him through the conversations that he's having throughout the movie. You don't realize he's impotent until he brings it up. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, and you don't realize that, you know, you you meet him and he's doing, he's driving the car and he's popping the drugs and stuff like that. So he has a drug habit. Yes. He's clearly, he is not in a good place. You find out that he was a radio jockey because that's how Chloe says, oh, I used to listen to you out in San Francisco. Oh, yep. you did. Okay. Stuff like that. So you 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 kind of get bits and pieces of Nick as you go along. Uh, Meg's, the character of Meg Mary Kay plays his character. She's obviously somebody who was a businesswoman who, who chose career over family, but now she wants a family and she wants to have a baby. Right. Uh, so that's kind of her, I guess, arc in this movie. But I, you keep referencing sure. the big chill in terms of in the film. What do you think the big chill is in this film? Once they hang out for the weekend, when okay. the weekend starts, that's the big chill. Okay. So I'm going to give you this note from Kasdan. Is that it? That's not what he not thinks as, the chill as, is? not absolutely what the big chill okay. is. And this is kind of the theme. Oh, of the, I think I know what you're going to say. The big so chill. this is okay. a quote from him. The big chill is about a cooling process that takes place for every generation when they move from the outward directed, more idealistic concerns of their youth to a kind of self-absorption and self-interest, which places their personal desires above those of the society or even an idea further the movie's title refers to the cold world of adult reality so there's like a 10 things i learned the big chill is like a criterion collection website thing that says what does the film's title mean kazan explains that the big chill refers to the experience of cold adult reality after leaving the warm embrace of true friendship during college sure so one of the themes which is this is interesting and i don't know if, if we want to get into it right now but one of the one of the things i found fascinating about this is it's a group of people that have left college and what do you say they're like late twenties, mid early thirties. Is that how, how old we're saying these people are? I think we're saying they're early thirties. Yeah. We're yeah. definitely saying, I, cause I mean, I, they're all different in real life. They're all varying ages, but yeah, oh, sure, sure. I think they're all supposed to be, especially if we believe that Nick was in Vietnam, they're all got to be in their thirties. Well, this is supposed to be obviously 83. Yeah. So if he They've went all to Vietnam, be in yeah, you're right. So he's there in their early thirties, early, early to mid thirties. Uh, and these are people obviously, cause when you're younger, you obviously have high ideas of how you want, you want to change the world and, and you want to, you know, 
whatever it is you want to do in some regards. You don't you don't have a lot of money. Well, they were all communists, obviously. <laughs> uh, like that's like the that's like. Well, they were all I don't want to say communists, but they probably mm, were, uh, they they were all kind of that way. They're educated. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess it seems to be based on their conversations, which is so cool and hip to put in your plays and movies. So like, I did not enjoy that part. I thought that was which part? very. That they were all like, oh, we went to college. We all thought we were like communist party. Like, sure. oh, yeah. Like, that is so overdone with what the idealistic college student thinks. That is not what any idealistic college student really thinks. Uh, a lot of co- yeah, very I, few. Like, I think that is a filmic representation of what every college student thinks. See, that is what every I have, actor thinks. But I have met college. I've met college students that are like this. Like, they're like deep in the trenches of, you know, their, their ideals and how they, you know, However, they want to change the world, what they believe in, and they don't have any room for anything else. I I, I understand that. But I don't know. I never met anyone like this. This is this is clearly something. Maybe it's well, they're a close. Maybe group. this is an age gap thing. But when I went to college, no one was like this kind of hippie bullshit. Well, it's a different. We like, went to college in like ni- went to college in the nineties in the late two thousands. Yeah, that's different. That's not. Uh, this is they, exactly. they went to college during I the sixties. I never met any hippie change the world communist like college students. But they went to yeah. So maybe that is you're 40 years removed from the 60s which is which is is during the vietnam war which is post-world war ii which was sure maybe that is every college student back then but that that, here's my that removes me from it that's that's my only thing that's fine it didn't affect my viewing of the movie when they just kept saying that i rolled my eyes well that's that's, i get the ideology like you're i'm more i see i think you're missing but see then rolling your eyes is missing the point because I get that you're more of an idealist when you're younger. I get yeah, the point. But my my point my point what what I find fascinating about that is how you know, I think that's something that I mean, I'm obviously older than you and you're obviously, excuse me, I pulled up the chair. You obviously are experiencing some things that I experienced at your age, uh, you know, just in terms of life and sh- stuff sure, like yeah. that. And so what I find funny is that this is the baby boomer generation that we're talking about here. Yeah. These people right here. And I don't, and I think that it's obtuse if people of the younger generation now, like millennials or Gen Z, even younger, when they watch the movie, can't understand, can't watch this film and just see like, when you think when people say boomers now, it's always like a bad word because it's an older person, but it's like they were once young too. And they had different, it's a different world, but they still had that same mentality that younger generations have now. I just think there's, I don't know. I, I thought that was fascinating that, that you're watching people who end up becoming jaded, who, 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 jaded because now. they change because it's because how, you know, you get responsibilities and you have life gets in the way and you need to take care of you, know, you end up having children. You have to make sure that they're, you know, you start worrying, caring about money more. You start worrying about where your money is and how you save it and stuff like that. That's not something you worried about when you were younger because you didn't have any money. Sure. You know what I mean? So I think that as generations, as people get older, everything changes. And I think, uh, I think it's not fair when you, when people rip on boomers now for, I'm sure there's some, listen, I'm talking about a chunk in the middle, not the ex- exception to the rule, not the idiots. Okay, either. You know what I mean? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, you know what? See, that's the thing like that. I know it's, it's a joke to you and that's funny and I get it. And I, I t- don't take everything seriously. I understand that. But like, if you don't look back and realize that we all started at the same spot, we all were young and we all had different ideas of what we want to do with our lives and, and that change and everything changed. If you don't under, if you can't understand the person that you're upset with or that you disagree with, let's not say upset, disagree with, then I think that's a disservice to you in terms of your own ideals at that time, at that moment where you are. I, I just think it's, I think it's fascinating that these are people now that people are, people don't like because they're older now and they have a different view of the world, but they were the same. They believed almost in the same things. Keep in mind that it's a different world back then in terms sure. of the 60s and now you know you, you 2000s even now people now and you know, they're dealing with different things now so i don't know i just thought that was fascinating the kind of the the comparison that you could compare it but that was it that was that's my big that's my big thing and we're done <laughs> um so see i didn't find the beginning boring at all i actually texted my buddy adrian about the opening credit sequence and i said to him i said you know this opening credit sequence may be one of the better credit opening credit sequences that I've seen in quite some time and for, for a while, because it explains everything. You you may not meet the characters in terms of knowing exactly what they're about, but you meet them. I just don't like that. They pick and choose. You're not supposed to have a main character and yet you pick and choose three out of your seven to be your main. Well, who are you saying are the mains? 
the ones that you actually show off, like you show off Sam, Harold, Michael, and Sarah. Everyone else is secondary in this, in terms of like what you show before what I consider to be them chilling or the big chill with, with when they hang out. Right. Like you well, own like three out of seven. Well, well to be fair, um, I, Sam, Tom, like I did these, in, these are in order, the credits are in order of um alphabetical order so there's no real like tom berenger just have top billing his top billing because his last name begins with a b right but tom berenger's a big star back then like right, now right, you know right, what i mean I that, yeah um i don't know i think because because harold and sarah were harold and sarah taking care of alex taking care of him they host the place they're definitely kind of your mains in the fact that they're anchoring everything sarah had an affair with alex five years or prior yep and that kind of you know that kind of began Alex putting up the wall between him and Sarah. She mentions that that's a ruin their friendship. Yep. Even though they kind of gave into their desires. So, and it's almost like they are, they're the married couple. So maybe like you said, they're the, the parental units in the family. They have the two kids, like you said, uh, one kid. No, they have two kids. They have two kids totally yeah. So yeah, then maybe they're moved. They're further along in their adulthood lives and everyone else. I think like when Nick comes in, Nick is somebody who's clearly been lost. This is the William Hurt character. Yep. He's in trouble. And they, Nick again, is the most in trouble because even Chloe says, you know, you remind me of Alex. And he says, I'm nothing like him. Exactly. He's like, but again, but really he's, he's going to stay in the, he, at the end of the movie, he's staying like, he's going to basically Michael and Sarah are going to help him. Uh, excuse me, Harold with, and Sarah. Yeah. And he's staying with Chloe and he's right. So he's, he's, he's somebody that it's almost like they take in the, the wayward souls of their group. Um, I have not had a close knit group like this, like a seven person close knit, close knit group. I, I have not experienced it either, have, like, but it had, like, but it's out there. I know that those are out there. Uh, I don't think they don't exist. Yeah, where they sleep with everybody. Well, with everybody. Well, well, you got the idea that. So basically, Nick and Karen were together in college, mm -hmm. and and but Sam and uh, always loved Karen, always liked Karen, always wanted to be with Karen, and I guess she kind of felt that way. I guess the distance of time kind of she wanted to be with him and that's the whole purpose of like that's the whole their right, whole she arc ended up in with this. richard and richard right is such a like <sighs> not even like like theoretical like he is a mayonnaise on white bread with milk kind of guy that's my note my notes so milk toast. my note richard is so white he eats mayonnaise sandwich with milk like, like that on. was my thing i'm like oh i like nothing about what you're doing yeah, here richard nothing could be lamer than this and guy. the audacity to just just spew out about like talking oh, about how he thought alex would kill himself funeral? Yeah, oh yeah, when he talks about how he thinks Alex would kill himself, how why he killed himself, maybe he just no one told me it was going to be easy, which is an interesting point he's making right. about how life's not supposed to be easy. And no one said to me it was going to be easy, and maybe that's or why fun, Alex yeah. killed himself because he assumed that it was going to be an easy, fun-loving time. Yep. I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Almost like Richard is he's clearly older than the rest of them. He gets what's going on, right? And he's probably. You know, he, he knows he'll never be there. They'll never be close to him and they'll be friends with him be, because he's a, he's at a different point in his life, which is why he leaves when after the first day, he's like, ah, I'm going, <laughs> which I like that because I love the, when Michael comes down, which is the Jeff Goldblum character. And he's like, Richard left. Oh yeah. He's like, really? What happens? Like, listen, Michael, if you're going to sleep late, you're going to, you're going to miss these little mini dramas. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing. I, so I really like this film. I'm sure you know this already. Um, and one of the things I like about this film is the dialogue. I love a lot of the lines. Oh, in as there. much as this is an actor's movie, this is a writer's movie as well. Sure. But that's because that's what Lawrence Kasdan does. Oh, no, totally. Like I, I, I laughed out loud when Karen is talking to, I don't know, is it Sam or, or, or Michael, maybe Nick, when she says the last time I spoke with Alice, we had a fight. I yelled at him. Oh, right. And that's, and, and he's like, that's probably why oh, Sam he's like, that's probably why he killed himself. What was your argument about? I told him he was wasting his life. <laughs> I was just like, started laughing. <laughs> well, a lot of like the dark drama, like comedy is really good in the film. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Let's get into some of the facts a little bit. Like uh, so I have other facts here and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, get back into the story. Maybe we'll get into the, some, some character work because we'll, we'll break down the characters. Uh, we talked about this movie a long time ago and I, I don't remember when, and Oh, I know when we talked about it, when we talked about uh, the guy who oh, fudge, when we did Lone Star, John sales, we talked about return of the sea caucus seven. I think I talked briefly about that with you, right? Or I watched it. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah. So the return of the sea caucus seven is actually very similar in tone to this film. It's about seven uh, people who like came off an exit and got arrested or they were like, they were like uh, anti-war. I, I can't remember the, the, but they were friends and they, they split apart and they come back together. There's a note on Wikipedia that says that 
Kazan watched this film and then wrote the movie based on the film. He never saw this film. That's what he says. He just, he, this is based on his own experiences when he went to the university of Michigan. Okay. Um, so I thought that was one note that I was just like, it was like a conflicting note there, but we're going to play the Oscar game here. Okay. So I told you that Glenn Close was nominated for best supporting actress. This movie was nominated for three Oscars, best supporting actress for Glenn Close, best picture and best original screenplay. Butler, I'm going to give you the best supporting actress nominees. Uh-oh. You're going to tell me who won. I'll give you the movies there. 1983. Well, 1983 Oscars. 1984 Oscars for 1983. Okay. Okay. Best supporting action nominees. Linda Hunt for The Year of Living Dangerously. Cher for Silkwood. Alfre Woodard for Cross Creek. And Amy Irving for Yentl. Who won the Oscar over Glenn Close? Yentl? No. Linda Hunt for The Year of Living Dangerously. Did you ever see that movie? No. I know of the movie. Yeah. She plays a boy, right? Am I that wrong? She dresses as a boy in that? Sure. I don't know. I think so. Like I said, I I've think heard so. Of the- that was with Sam Watterson. He's a journalist. I never saw it. I should see it. Anyways, best original screenplay. Butler, we're going into that now too. Okay, go go for it. So, it did obviously did not win. It went up. It went up against Silkwood, written by Nora Ephron and Alice Arian. War Games, which I did not realize that was that was nominated. nominated. Yeah, Walter Parks. This is best original. Walter right. Parks and Lawrence Lasker. Tender Mercies by Horton Foote and Fanny and Alexander by Ingmar Bergman. Bergman, and excuse Tender me. Mercies. Yes. Correct. That did win. And now Best Picture. Here we go. It did not win Best Picture, but it was nominated. And it went up against The Dresser, Terms of Endearment, Tender Mercies, and The Right Stuff. Terms of Endearment. Yes, correct. Terms yes. of Endearment did very well yes. there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good job. Well, the Right Stuff is really three. good. The Right Stuff is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so how about, all right, good. That's our game. All and right. We're going. I, did, I did okay that time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you know that this house was the same house they shot the Great Santini? I did not know that. Yes. That's cool. Uh, Kazan was a fan. And this is shot in Beaufort, South Carolina. Well, it was shot in different other parts of the country in Atlanta, I believe. And then they shot the house stuff at. Uh, was Atlanta a popular filming location even back then or just because this movie's the South? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. So I don't I know. Like that was like more As recent. Thing, popular but. it is now. Maybe not because there's a, it's like, no, it's, it's like a tax break thing. Now it's like, well, it, yeah, kind of it, East it's his own little mini. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, yeah, well, Marvel's based pretty much. That's where they are most of the time. So many movies are there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, I don't know, but that's a good question. Did you did you like the fact that the main cast lived together for weeks before filming? I did that. They kept rehearsing as they moved around three weeks beforehand. I also like to note that they had did a dinner together. Yep. Where they're supposed to improv as they're the, basically their characters having dinner. Yep. Not part of the script. Just be your characters and eat dinner. And Kasdan walked out of the room, and they kept. They left. Character. They left the house. Yeah. But yet they kept character the entire dinner, didn't break character. Yeah. I thought that was awesome. And I think they said, I think it was something in there where <clears throat> Joe Beth Williams plays Karen wouldn't talk to Sam because she was still in love with Nick. Like she was doing that in her. In which the, is which yeah. is great, which is yeah. awesome. Uh, and that's the kind of method acting that I think is great. That actually helps your character. It's rehearsal acting. It's rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's knowing your character. No, it's it's yeah. knowing your character. It's pretending again. It's yeah. not trying to like think that you are this person. Mm-hmm. But I think that that helps you understand your character even more. Mm-hmm. Even if when the director gives you opposite notes, you can at least be like, I don't think my character would do this. And you can have a conversation with the director on why you think that. And then, you know, he or she can tell you you're wrong or mm-hmm. right. And obviously, at the end of the day, it's the director's decision. But I think knowing your character helps a lot and it would help the director in terms of how the scene's going. Well, yeah, and no. make, just make it easier. Just make it so much more natural. One of the notes I have here is that he would Kazan would time out times out with timeout scenes uh, to run a certain speed to avoid letting them run too long because he didn't like cutting down scenes. So he would actually time them out to make sure that they were a certain length. Right. As an actor, would that bug you? Would you think you could like if you wanted to have a space a, a pause or? I don't. It, it depends because I know he also did a lot of improvisation on it. Yeah. So. If I was just sticking to a script, obviously it's what the director wants. Mm-hmm. I will hit that mark. If I have to hit that mark, I will sure. do my best. But if it's improvisation, that would piss me off. Okay. Because it's like you want me to be myself and put myself in this role, but then you also want to put that limitation of me and going, no, that's too long. Mm-hmm. That would kind of bother me. Well, maybe it's certain scenes in the film he he timed out, but like the scenes when they're just kind of milling around or the, the, the funeral scene, or even this, even the scene at the end of the film, uh, they're just kind of like chilling in the kitchen. Oh, in the morning when they're having breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that might be just stuff like, you know, maybe there's one or two lines he wants to make sure, but it's going to be a scene that they can just play with. Sure. Hit these lines, but I'm going to cut you guys off to five minutes. Mm -hmm. That'd be a little different. 
But if he was just like, all right, guys, go for like dinner scenes and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, you can't like, I, I don't know if I've, if I've got an idea and we're rolling with it, mm -hmm. that would kind of piss me off. Okay. Unless he just let me do it a bunch of times until we hit a mark where we thought like he thought was a good length. I mean, I would think that the actors would have because they spent so much time together before the movie that they probably knew their characters well. Oh, yeah. They're very comfortable. They need much time in order to get the conversation going. Right. Right. And, you know, with Kevin Klein, there's a lot of times where you can see Kevin Klein coming out in his in his roles. Like you can see like the, the, the Kevin person. Klein. Like yeah. The and kind of thing yeah. Going on. Yeah. In this, I did not so much. I, I thought he was really reserved. I didn't. There were some moments, were but not as much. Times. Yeah. I know he wanted to play Michael because Michael's a funnier character. He would have more fun with it, yeah. but he's definitely a better he's, Harold. He's got a couple of moments as Harold, like the uh, with the bat uh, is swooping around and he gets up to his wife. He <laughs> yeah. sings Indiana Jones. Well, he does that because Kazan wrote Indiana Raiders Lost Stars. Right. That's why he's singing but, that. But he's very Harold. He's very Kevin Klein in that. He's very Kevin Klein when he's about to have sex with Meg. Uh, uh, well, what when they're sitting? I thought that was very sweet. I thought it was. It very, was very sweet, but it's very like kind of Kevin Klein being like a like a, a cute kind of funny, right? Right. Uh, like him trying to get ready, moving his hair around and stuff like that. I right. thought that was more Kevin Klein. That decision. So what Butler's talking about in the movie, we talk about Meg is trying. It, it goes around and keeps asking all her friends to have sex with her. She's ovulating, but she yeah. doesn't want she, a father. This is this is this is actually done in a very nice way. It's not like crass or anything like that. Right. It's it's very. You know, that's how close these friends are. You know, the fact that she would ask them and they would even like consider, consider it. it. Right. Yeah. They all think about right. it. Right. And it's funny because Sam, the the character of J T. Lancer, well, he's J T. Lancer in the <laughs> show, but <laughs> the good. Sam character is supposed to be Mag. Magnum P.I. That's basically what he's based on. Sure, yeah. Kazan wrote a little bit for that. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He did that because Tom Suck was going to be uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark and he wasn't if people don't know that. But um, so anyways, uh, so when she's talking to Sam and you could easily Sam has some lines where he could easily be like a, a Hollywood douche and he's not. He's, oh, he's yeah. sincere. He hates, he, he he hates ha Hollywood. Yeah. He hates all that. He hates all of that. I think one of my one of my lines here that he that he had. Uh, where is it? I want to. You where he can't trust anyone. Everybody want Mike. Want, yeah. Want yeah. From him. When, yeah. I, it's just like, yeah, that's still the same way. Like every, you can't trust anyone in Hollywood and stuff like that. It's like, it's still the same. But I, I thought that his, his character was very interesting. I, I was very interested in Sam, but even when she asked Sam and he's like, you know, I just, you know, I, I want to, but I just, I, you don't want that. I can't, that's it's a, such a responsibility, even though you don't want anything from me, it's still a responsibility. Right, that exactly, I, yeah. And I thought that was a very good, and she, she asked Nick and Nick can't do it because he has to tell her he's impotent. He, you know, it, it can Nick was the first one. Yeah. yeah. Him, Nick was a nom. Right. And so she, and, and she was with Michael, which is the Jeff Goldblum character in college. And she knows, and she doesn't want to ask him. He's the one person she doesn't want. He's the, he's the last resort. Right. And, and then he asks, and then she's still like, no. Yeah. And so basically Sarah asks her husband, Harold, to do this for her. She wants her to, she wants him to do this for her friend. And I'm wondering, do you think that decision is because she cheated on him with 100, Alex? hundred. Do you think so? Or do you think it's because she she knows that it, he's he's probably the right person to do it. A hundred percent. You think so? I think she, it's a bit of both. Okay. I don't think if she hadn't had an affair with Alex, she would not let Harold do that. But I don't know, had, man. They're really close. She had an affair with Alex. And right. Harold still loved Alex and Harold still loved he Sarah. Yeah. And she knows that Harold's a great guy and she knows that Harold would never betray her. And is that trust in Harold? It's that trust that Harold has in Sarah, that forgiveness he has um, and her love for Megan and Harold's love for Megan. It's just like, I know that this is just going to be a one th night thing. Right. So to you have a baby. So you're saying that uh, just to kind of clarify, you're saying that that decision by Sarah is because of the, the devotion and the love that Harold has for her and everyone. And ev even throughout everything, not because she's like, well, I cheated. You might as well go. Not that way. No. Okay. okay I think okay. that is right. a part of the, that is the key to unlock the door. Right. But that the door was made. Mm -hmm. If, to make the example out of all of the greatness of Harold, that right. Harold is the one Harold is the most put together of everyone in the group. Even he though the one that grew up the best, even though he's giving everybody inside. Oh, he is. Tips. Yeah. He's going to jail. <laughs> he's going to jail big time. No, I know. He, he, he's his company's about to get bought and he's telling everyone, Hey, buy a stock. You're going to get gonna rich. triple. Yeah. <laughs> My note is I wish I had a friend who would tell me. Honestly. Right. Right. Honestly. So, Speaking of the actors and the actresses, um, one of my notes here is, and we'll get into what I want to ask, is that Kazan wrote Karen Bowens, uh, Karen Bowens and Sarah Cooper for 
Joe Beth Williams and Glenn Close. He wrote them both for them, but they didn't want to play them. They wanted to both wanted to play Meg, which is what who Mary Kay Place plays. What do you think about? Let's first question is, what do you think about the casting? Do you think anyone was miscast? Hmm, it's hard to see Jeff Goldblum as a character that's not Jeff Goldblum. I understand. Well, that's him. He's got many Jeff Goldblums in this, mm -hmm. but I still like him as Michael. I just like Jeff Goldblum. You can put Jeff Goldblum in anything. I'd watch it. I even watch his stupid Discovery Channel show. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, Tom Berenger is amazing as Sam. I think Tom Berenger is really overlooked sometimes. I think he's oh, forgotten so do about. I. I think people think he, of him as like this action kind of guy. I, I he's and he does, you know he looks like so, that kind of guy, but he's yeah, got a he's lot of so stuff. Much deeper yes, absolutely, hundred percent. I think William Hurt's amazing as Nick. Kevin Klein's great as Harold, and I'm glad they didn't switch roles. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe Beth is good as Karen, but Karen, I think it's the short end in terms of stuff to do a little bit. Like obviously she's in love with Sam and she wants to leave Richard. But well, she, I feel like she's her, bored. That's what he says. Yeah. To Don't, I left my other marriage because I, was, I bored. was bored of it. I think that her subplot is a little bit more boring and, and more normal than the rest of them. So I think that's what that suffers from. Sure. Is it actually being more realistic? <laughs> I think that's, I think there's realism in Sarah's, uh, you know, but that, uh, that's it. Plight, Sarah's, but. Sarah's plight. Of, no, like, I'm being sorry. Upset. I meant Sarah. I meant Karen's. I meant Joe Beth Williams. Karen. I think oh, no, some... Karen's is the most realistic. That's okay. what I'm saying. Are you Sarah? But that's why it's kind of boring is because you've, it's just, a, it's a real person's problem. Sarah's obviously upset about Alex and Meg is just wants to have a baby from her friends, which is a little weird. It's a little more fun. And I think that could be why they wanted to switch roles. But I think Glenn Close is amazing. Oh, Glenn Close, I think, is overlooked as like up there with uh, what's her face that always gets nominated. Who I'm Oh, um, uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Right. I think Glenn Close is up there with Meryl Streep. Like Meryl Streep gets nominated for everything she does just because she's Meryl Streep. Uh, although Meryl Streep is amazing. But I think Glenn Close is up there with Meryl Streep and doesn't get the re recognition. Well, I she's think. been nominated eight times. She's never won. That's she, all. She, girl needs um, to win. Not, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, like it's, she's it's awesome. good enough to be nominated. I know. She'll probably get a, um, a Lifetime uh, Achievement. Yeah. It's actually that, kind of better because who gets Lifetime Achievement? Very few people. Well, they just gave Sam Jackson one. Yeah. I'd rather have a Lifetime Achievement than a Best Actor award. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Well, she, she was definitely, maybe she doesn't want it. Maybe they've offered it. She says, I don't need it. Some people, like, I think they're hey, probably. Glenn, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to rub some. I'm not kissing anybody. Probably. Uh, maybe. Whatever. Maybe. I but, mean, yeah. No, she's awesome in this role. Her scene where she's crying in the shower mm -hmm. uh, and she's naked is so. What's what I'm looking for? vulnerable it's such a it's depressing to look at it's depressing to see it's depressing to hear and then you lead up to it and it's just like oh damn see a, but realistic and like just like see i've seen like that which i agree with you but my one thing and, and maybe this is because i'm not an actor but that a scene like that is you're alone you can get yourself into that moment i'm thinking about preparation and you and that's it you're you're, you're just you're just crying you're just upset uh, i actually like the scene when she's at dinner and she's that getting, was going to be my second and example. She's talking, she's crying. Everybody's laughing. And she, yeah, and she has to just go into it. Like she just has to show that she just is normal and then breaks down. There should be a table here right. for Alex. Right. Right. I think that that scene was just just, just shows you the strength of Glenn Close. But also, she's not normal in that. She's not talking during that dinner at first. True. You're right. She's but quiet she, the whole time. But she has to breaks. play off, and she has to be in her own space while everyone around her is giving her nothing in True. terms of like to help her into that space. She has to just kind of go into herself amongst this giant scene. I just I think that's a, that's a to me that seems like a tougher thing to do. I don't know. She is naked. Oh, I get Which you. Which is tough. Sure. And With there's like 85 dudes in there. Watching, <laughs> and you know that you're going to be watched by millions of people afterwards. Sure. And you're going to be crying. And it's not like she's sexy naked. She's really depressing naked. Okay. And I think that's just really powerful as well. It's a really powerful thing to do. I'm not saying well, it's both not. Both things are really powerful. And yeah. just her in general, like her conversations with her kids are also awesome. Like the one where like, you can hate me if you want. When you're a mom, you can hate me. Okay, I love you too, baby. It's like, mm -hmm. those are absolutely conversations I had with my mom growing up. Like, that's that's perfect. That's great. I think she does an amazing job as Sarah. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can see them all wanting to be Meg because Meg's just more fun. <laughs> I just want to have a baby. And she gets kind of more dialogue with the other guys in terms of less heavy stuff and just a little well, bit more fun. To be fair, you can't give all seven actors or all seven characters the same uh, gravitas or same giant arcs. They, they can't. Oh, I get that. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. It's not, I mean, it, it's all their stories, but maybe it's 
it's how obviously it's how Alex affected each of their lives and in terms of just what he meant to all of them. What, even though that he committed suicide, they're not all put together. Well, they all have issues. They all have problems. They're all struggling with being an adult. And we talked about that already in terms of, you know, everything, you know, the reality of the the, the big chill, all that stuff. We already, we kind of talked about all that. Um, They're all rich yuppies, even though they grew up trying to be against the system. I don't know. They're they're, they're not really all rich. Well, Michael has money. Michael has a sh- no. Michael has no. Michael's looking for money. He's looking for money, but he's well off. He, he's living in the city. They're all well off. They, Some he, he works than for People Magazine, a job he hates. Right. And he lives in the city, which is probably very expensive. Behringer's, uh, Sam's very well Sam's off. Yeah. The but he, but he's just, he's in a world where it's full of phonies. It's full of phonies. And he and he just lost his marriage and right. lost his kid, basically. Yes. Yeah. He keeps talking about how, like, his daughter thinks that the other, his, his wife's new yeah. person is like the other father. Right. Right. Um, Nick definitely doesn't have money. I mean, you were meeting Harold and Sarah after they had their big crisis, which is the which is the stepping out with Alex. But that was five years prior. No, right, but right, yeah, right, you're right. missing that, and they're at a, they're in a place where they're in a very safe, loving, right, happy place now. Yeah, I mean, they didn't really do much with it in terms of kind of diving into it a little bit more. But the whole point where the officer comes over because Nick was speeding or he was at, he was giving Nick ran off, a red light yeah, and then him gave lip. the auto officer oh. attitude. And yeah. he was like, when is since, since when did you be Nick tells her, when do you become friends with oh, us? One of my favorite lines. Yeah. yeah. Like all that stuff. So you he kind stopped of, my house two times from getting uh, pinched and yeah, from getting robbed. You know, he's good. You know, people. I, I, yeah. He's good people. You know, I live here. I'm dug in. Yeah. I grew up. So that they didn't, they, they kind of, that one scene kind of, highlights the difference between Harold and maybe the rest of them. Right. You know, but they don't really, they didn't really go further into that. Uh, Harold has a nice uh, monologue too. When they're all sitting down, he's laying on the couch and I think he's just talking, he's just basically talking about, he doesn't know why Alice killed himself or anything like that. He's just kind of like talking about, he, he, he brings up, uh, I believe he brings up the cheating. I don't think he, no, not in front of all of them, but he has this nice monologue where he's just talking about it. And I thought that was really well done. So, but you never really got that, you kind of know where Harold is in his life, but they didn't really dive a too deep into that. But I don't even know if they needed to. No. One of the things I like the best about this movie, and this talks to Kazan's writing, I, I think I, I if you ask me who my favorite film writer is in terms of dialogue, I would either say Kep or Kazan. Mm-hmm. And I think Kep, I think Kazan is probably the best because I think Kep probably learned from Kazan because I think every modern writer should have. Sure. The the especially the males, but everybody. Every serious conversation in this film is peppered in with jokes and sarcasm. Because that's what life is. And that's exactly what life is. It is so perfect. Yeah. So how's your life? Oh, great. How's yours? Not so great. Oh, we're telling the truth. truth. Yeah, it's I like, think yeah. that's so great. Like when they're running and they're all just saying like, mm-hmm. uh, about Alex, what's the, uh, oh, he, uh, it wasn't, he didn't kill himself on purpose. It was an accident. Yeah, it was an accident. I always, he was right. He was just shaving. He always had hairy wrists. Yeah. Like, it's just like, oh, why do we have to joke about everything? Oh, that's a joke. I'll joke about yeah. that. Like that's life. It's it's perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. The the I agree with you because while there are lots of scenes in films that I love, and there's lots of dramatic moments and melodramatic moments and and really like great lines of dialogue and great moments in cinema that I really love. But to be honest, that stuff doesn't happen in real no, life. At the end of the day, it's all about right. sarcasm, hiding right. your emotions. It's very difficult to to your point, it is very difficult to write dialogue that seems easy. It's, you know what I mean? That it's like, oh, that's easy to write. It's very, yeah. it's very difficult to write that kind of dog. And that takes a lot of, you know, you write it, you read it out loud, you write it. Is that how people talk? Is this how people talk? And that's, it's a lost art. And I think a lot of people think that they need to be like, nobody has giant monologues in films and in real life. Right. Nobody has, and, and they're never well put together. You know, nobody, <laughs> like nobody has these like big moments and you know, no wire hangers ever. Nobody has that in real life. It just doesn't happen. Yep. And so I think, but, it, but those are very easy to write. Not, I shouldn't say very easy, but those are easier to write than maybe what you're talking about with Kazan, where it's like, he's writing dialogue that is, is Seems easy, but it's not easy to to put together. I'm sure he writes what he wants his characters to say. Mm-hmm. Well, He's honest. Hey, I, I yeah. know he he writes everything long form, which is ridiculous because he doesn't know how to type. So does uh, so does Woody Allen, but I know that's boohoo. Boo on Woody Allen, but he I does. Don't like but he, he yeah. but I hear you. But, but he, that's he great, writes yeah, the same thing. He writes on a write wheel pad, yeah. or he used to. Yeah, I know he's much older now. Uh, but like you got to write things like big conversations like that write it like you were going to write it melodramatic mm-hmm. and then 
listen to it and go, where oh, would I hide 100%. sarcasm there? 100%. Like that's, uh, but that's awesome. Your first draft should be whatever. Your first right. draft should always be whatever. And it should be terrible and it will be terrible because you should not write a first draft of anything and be like, done. Like you, like you need to just spill it all out and then fix it. That's exactly. how it is. But I think that's how you have to write like sarcasm. Like that's how you have to write realistic dialogue. Oh, absolutely. You still have to get your point across, which in real life, you don't always get your point across correctly. Mm -hmm. So get your point across in your script and then find a way to get your point across without getting your point across, which I think this film does 150,000. Like, I don't know why we didn't watch this in film writing class uh, in college, because this is film writing 101 in terms of writing a drama. But there's so many times you laugh and smile and and have a ton of different emotions, which is life. Well, the the mark of a true of a great movie, I think, is that when the movie ends, you don't want it to end. You want to know what happens. Like you want to see you want to see these characters continue on with the journey. That for me is what I felt at the end of the film, where I was just like, I would love to know. I would I would it would not have pained me. It might not have been as good. But it would not have pained me if like five, ten years later they had done a sequel to this. No, but I would love a big chill now. Well, how, well 40 no. years later, 30 years, 40 it, years later. Here's the thing. That would be great. It'd be really tough to watch without William Holt. Without William, William, William Hurt. Hurt. Yeah, that would be tough because I'd be like, maybe that's, I would, what, maybe that's what now brings them together. Listen, I, listen I'd watch it. I'd watch the hell of it. I Again, I love this film. I really love this film for a lot of the reasons you're talking about the dialogue, the acting, just, it's such, it just like, again, I've, I've, I've echoed this before in other films, other movies that we have talked about when there is such a confidence in the, the filmmaking of this film, when, you know what I mean? When the people behind it, the actors, just such a, the writing directing, there's just a confidence by everybody. I just feel like watching the film is never a mistake. It's right. Ne I never feel like I'm wasting my time watching this film. Like I could go back and watch it again because there's so many moments in there. I'm just like, this is just, it, it didn't feel long, even though it's not that long, but it didn't, it felt, it felt right. too fast for me. Like I wanted more. I feel like it's a perfect length. I didn't well, feel like I, too slow or too know fast. I mean. Yeah. And I think it ends in the perfect moment, but there's some, yeah, it's the William Hurt is amazing in this film as well. I don't. Say, I like liked a, everyone in this. Like when he's talking to himself on camera. Oh yeah. He's maybe I haven't watched enough William Hurt. I'm sure I haven't watched enough William Hurt. Uh, but anything I've ever watched him, he's very stalwart and stoic. You talking about later William Hurt, like uh, as From he was older? When I was born up till now, yeah. Yeah. I'm, oh, you haven't seen like the earlier stuff. I had never. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. seen much of the earlier mm -hmm, stuff. So mm -hmm. like this is. He's very vulnerable. He's very emotional. He's mm -hmm. very different than the William Hurt that I've seen growing up. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting and really cool. You should, I would recommend going back and watching a lot of the, his earlier films, Kiss of Spider Woman, uh, you know, just stuff that where he's, he's probably, he's a younger man. So he's probably doing a lot more, taking a little more chances, like you say, being vulnerable. I mean, when you get older, I think you just, maybe there's a little bit of a typecast that happens with Hollywood in terms of an older actor. And they, right. you know what I mean? You know, like Bruce Dern, I like, we like Bruce Dern. But, but like plays very now he's though, always, yeah. he's always like a, a jerk off, uh, you Older know, character. Guy, yeah. And it's just like, I know there's, that's not, I know he can do other stuff, but, but that's just what their cast has, you know, and you just take where the money is. Right. Um, yeah. So I wanted to bring up something else and like, Oh, so I wanted to bring up a, I wanted to get your take on Roger Ebert's, uh, I guess analysis. Ugh. All right. The Big Chill is a splendid technical exercise. It has all the right moves. It knows all the right words. Its characters have all the right clothes, expressions, fears, lusts, and ambitions. But there's no payoff. It doesn't lead anywhere. I thought at first this was the weakness of the movie. There also is possibility that it's the movie's message. He gave the film two out of four. What do you think about that? I agree with everything except for the rating, I guess. It doesn't go anywhere. They, these but, characters end up in this mostly the same place but better in a better headspace than they were before. I see. Same place, yeah, yeah. better headspace. That's the payoff. But that's the payoff. It doesn't have to be the, a huge payoff. The fact that they're in the kitchen exchanging numbers saying like, listen, we need to get we back We need to in catch touch. up a little bit And more. you believe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like they're hanging out again next Memorial Day or something trying right. to get a get together. I absolutely believe that would yeah. happen. So, I mean, he's like knocking the movie while saying exactly what the movie is. I so <sighs> see, here's my, here's my take on the movie or one of my takes on the movie is that uh, I think that 
it's a, it's a type of movie that when you watch it, you almost have to ask yourself questions about, about yourself and your place in this and in your life in terms of why do you like, why do you not like the film? Why do you like the film? Like, Oh, absolutely. What yeah. are you relating to? And I think it's very difficult for people to self-analyze and understand like, shit, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not in a, I have the same feelings as maybe I am bored of my marriage, like stuff like that. Somebody's one of the characters. Right. And that's a fact. And I, you're exactly like that character. You probably share an issue that one of those characters has. Right. And I think that maybe that shades, we talk about not bringing your own personal, uh, your personal issues into the theater when you watch a film, but it's very difficult to do and not to do, you know, people do it and that's how they relate to films. I think maybe this film, it hit touches on some tender points in people's lives where maybe they're not willing to face that yet because it's because we just talked about how Kazan writes real people and writes, you know, uh, the way he writes effortlessly to, to capture how people are feeling. And I think that that's probably goes to his strength in terms of why people maybe didn't maybe why Roger Ebert wasn't into it as much, or maybe he missed, not missed the point, but just didn't understand it. Right. So yeah, no, that, that's, I like that. Uh, Tom Berenger describes this film as being about the period in life when you're beginning to realize you have limitations that you will never accomplish certain goals and dreams. Suddenly, you know, you're not a kid anymore. What do you think of that? I liked that than the other uh, explanation when then Kazdan's explanation about this. <laughs> I actually had read that and I was like, that's a little closer and easier to digest. Yeah. <laughs> Realizing you're not a kid anymore. Your dreams, maybe not well, your, dreams. Like your dreams, yeah, maybe what, not what, are, aren't what you thought they were. What Kazan says is pretty much the same thing that like, pretty, saying. pretty yeah. much the same, yeah. but yeah. The poster blurb is ridiculously long. <clears throat> it's, it's a quote from the movie, but it's, it, that's not but a poster yeah. blurb. No, I know. But then he says it in the movie. I'm like, oh, that's no way. Hold on. What's the poster review you have? What's the poster review you have? How much love, sex, fun, and friendship can a person take? Yes. The, the this- story of eight old friends searching for something they lost and finding that all they needed was each other. The big chill in a cold world. You need your friends to keep you warm. The how much uh, love, sex thing. That's yeah. a that's a Kevin. Cla- that part's the Kevin. Yeah. Klein not quote. the rest of the stuff. And then rest of us just made up. For yeah. Me. The rest of the stuff is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> In the cold world, you need you need your friends to keep. But you know what? We need that back because no one else does it on posters anymore. I need a poster that's a paragraph (laughs) explanation that doesn't actually tell me anything about the movie. Uh, I don't need that, so we're good. What was the other one we did? What was the longest one? Uh, Oh shoot! It was wasn't it? uh, it The one eighties one. It was the one with uh, the alien one. The alien one, nice. Oh no, Starman. Starman. It was Starman. Nice. Nice job. Yeah, thanks. Nice I got job. you there. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> that was the longest one, but that's also really long. Give me some of the lines you liked in the film. <sighs> or quotes. Uh, this one made me laugh. When Harold and Meg are about to have sex, and she laughs, and she goes, he goes, what? And goes, I can't say it, because it's not going to come out the way I mean it. And he goes, no, go ahead. Try me. And she says, I feel like I got a great break on a used car. <laughs> I, I that, was, that was a great, great quote. <laughs> one of the one of the pieces of dialogue I like is between Michael and Sam. And Michael's like, I don't know anyone who could get through the day without two or three juicy rationalizations. They're more important than sex. And Sam's like, Ah, oh, come on, nothing's more important than sex. Oh yeah, ever going a week without a rationalization? I was like, Nice. <laughs> uh, I do like uh, when they're talking to Chloe about like. The blood. Oh, must be t- oh, we cleaned it up. Like the blood. Everywhere. Oh, we I know. Cleaned it up. Like if she's high off her ass, obviously. <laughs> uh, two things about Chloe is one. Uh, I thought she was going to rip her leg off when she was stretching. When she was stretching, she pulls oh, her leg beginning? all the way. Well, apparently she's a da- she was a dancer before. Sure, she got but I thought back. she was going to pull her leg right outside of her hip like a Barbie doll. I was like, whoa, stop! It was giving me anxiety. I I wonder after reading the note about her if that was because she was a dancer growing up. Sure, and she was like, I'd love to kind of add it to my character as like kind of a way to like. Make up for the fact that she can't be a dancer anymore. Maybe. Well, she's younger too than all of them, and she's so she's you know right different. Different ideals, I guess. She's Different you know, headspace, which I'm surprised they didn't really use a lot of. They uh, maybe there was a disconnect because she's the girlfriend of the of Alex, and you know she's somebody. Maybe they feel like they need to take care of. And well, I think she's there to kind of observe the group from the outside. So when you need an outside observer, you cut to her, mm-hmm. and that certain thing she reacts to in a way that either you would react to or a way that kind of shakes up the group think well she obviously she's there for uh oh my god what's his name she's there for nick at the end yes like she is there to help nick because nick is like she says nick is the closest to alex yeah 
And she also has that line of dialogue where um, they're all talking and Sarah's like, you know, talking about how she didn't know Nick. Uh, she know Alex was very happy. She, you know, he, you know, she had no idea that he felt this way. And then Karen's like, Karen asked Chloe, she's like, is that true? Chloe, did you feel that? And she's like, I don't know. We had some good times. I haven't met that many happy people in my life. How do they act? And like, yeah. everyone's just like, mm, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Either. So I thought that was interesting too. I thought that was a really nice line. It like play with dialogue there. I like the line where uh, all of a sudden she blurts out in the Jeep. Alex and I had great sex the night before he died. It was fantastic. And then Nick goes, well, he went out with a bang. <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's. Oh, we, Michael's line as well for the funeral. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. They always throw a great party for you. The one day you can't come. The one day. The one day. Yeah, that's a that's a. I mean, I've heard that before, but I think it's from this movie. You know what I mean? Like I've right. heard that in other films. Um, but it wasn't, it was, they were after this, they were after this one. So I think they probably just kind of like took that a little bit or people kept saying that like, Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. So now I, my last question I want to ask you was, uh, what do you think about Kevin Klein's accent? Oh my, at the beginning, <laughs> I, I started to get used to it, but that was, that's my very first note for the movie. I go, is Kevin Klein doing a really bad Southern accent? I guess. And it just it goes like, in and out. It, it go absolutely goes in and out. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't. Understand. I got used to it after a while, but I was not a fan. Yeah. I, I wonder if that was him. I wonder if he's like, I want to do a Southern accent to Kevin. Uh, yeah. Kazin. We're from South Carolina. I want to do South Carolina. You didn't, need, you didn't need to. You didn't need to have any of that because he could no. have just moved down there from Michigan. Be like, oh, we set the up camp preacher down here. didn't even have an accent. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kept hearing it. it kept pop. It was so faint, though. It was just so like, oh, wait a minute. He's doing a little thing there. It wasn't so overt. Sometimes it was pretty heavy. I didn't see. I just would hear sometimes it. Sometimes it was Southern preacher heavy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then sometimes it was just kind of like normal. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it went back to some preacher heavy. It was like <laughs> all over the place. And I like, I, it must've been a choice because Kevin Klein is an amazing, amazing voice actor. And I know he can do a thousand accents. So I'm sure it was on purpose. Well, or it was early in his career. So he didn't know. We, we went through the, we went through all their credits and you, you know, everyone here got nominated. I, the only person that wasn't nominated for an Oscar was Mary Kay place, but she won an Emmy. I think it was for big love, but she won an Emmy. So she right. has, is, she's accredited as well. So it's not, it's everyone in this cast is just, you know, majorly talented. Yeah. Even if this is the beginning of their career or towards the, or, you know, during, their during their career, career. it's, yeah. they were all, they all go off on a do, Amazing things. I don't know Meg Tilly. I'm not really sure. I didn't follow Meg Tilly's career too much. But I'm I, she does some stuff. Yeah, but yeah. But I'm talking about the main seven, the original friends. Right. So so yeah, no, I mean, why why are we saying this is forgotten though, Butler? Now that we've just sit here and talked about how we love it, or it, I love it, and you kind of it's kind of old it. and it's a talkie. It's old. Well, yeah, it's yes. It's I an agree. old talkie filled with actors that no longer blow up the screen. William Hurt is a huge actor, but unfortunately he just passed away. Uh Jeff Goldblum's a great actor, an amazing actor, and he is so overshadowed by the person he has become, which is a great person. It's a fun person. Uh, but they're all on their, they're all on their like last years If you said Jeff Goldblum was career, in a movie yep. like this, I'd been like, Jeff Goldblum is never in a movie like this. Jeff Goldblum. But if you do think about Jeff Goldblum, you think of the, well, A, you think of Ian Malcolm, or you think of Independence well, Day, or you think of I was, Fly, You know what's funny? I was, or you think of my, well, my stepmom's from the Venus. The Fly was 1988? Like Early? Later? Late 80s, yes. The even, but he did not take off until Independence Day and Jurassic Park. Like oh, to be when he became when, Goldblum, yes, right. Like he, like he wasn't everywhere until then. After the fly, he was in that movie where he was an alien or whatever. Oh, Earth Girls Are Easy. Girls, but this, yeah, I think he did that before the fly. But the fly is the fly is a, is a great film. But the fly is like a horror film. And when you're in horror films, even when you do well in horror films, it doesn't, doesn't mean really you're translate, translate sometimes, yes. right? It, it, it so it, it's tough to cross over from there. He yep. could have easily been typecast into other horror films after that. Oh, absolutely, right? Yeah, um, right. So, or but he when you look when you look through his career, and that's what because doing this movie, I was doing that. I'm like, wow, he. I and he was in Powder as well. I remember him from Powder before. Again, Powder's posty and Malcolm as well. Is it post or before? Post. It, okay, but he didn't really take off until Jurassic Park, and yeah. I, I don't, you know, thinking back, I never realized that. So. Some people find their perfect character, and I oh think sure, Jeff. I mean, Jeff Goldblum's a great actor, and he stuck to like obviously the reason he does the us and us and everybody imitates him because and he even says because a director a long time ago our casting agent loved that 
and he took off with it. A mm-hmm. lot like William Shatner did with his sure. pauses is because a casting director loved his pauses or because he couldn't remember the lines yeah. in Shakespeare. There are not many character actors. Yes. There are, there are. There are very few character actors out there, people that can just dive into a role and just disappear. Um, so no, most actors bring who they are to the role. And we love that for them half the time. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you, you know, when it works and it and it and it plays well and they choose the right roles and they choose the right movies and they're you know yeah. yes, it works fantastically. And that's what Ian Malcolm was right. for Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. So that's what you're thinking of when you think of anything post Ian Malcolm, Independence Day, Ian Malcolm, uh, if you really want to go back to fly, but that's what you think there. William Hurt, any of his later stuff. Again, like I think of William Hurt as the stoic kind of guy. And then Glenn Close is, like you said, eight times nominated. There's so many other things that you think of her. Mm-hmm. If you think of the 80s, you probably think of Fatal Attraction. Yeah, oh yeah, if you're my does. age, you probably just go, she's the lady from 101 Dalmatians, or she uh, had that cameo in yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I, I knew her from Fatal Attraction, The Natural, which I told you was nominated in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember those are the two films. And what's funny is like I had never seen Fatal Attraction growing up, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I oh, she cooked the rabbit. She cooked the rabbit. That's I, when I, growing I, up, that's I, all, all I knew. you heard. All you heard Bunny was Bunny Gone. Right. All you heard. And then I watched it later on. They got all those like, all right. I mean, okay, I've I've seen it. <laughs> so yeah, now you're right. That, that, that's really what you know of from her. And then other ones, Joe Beth Williams. I mean, I love Poltergeist. That's where you know Joe Beth. But that's Everyone it. knows her from that. And Mary Kay Place. A lot of people my age. You know what's know Mary? Kay you know what's Place. funny when you go back and watch films, and you're like, oh, okay, oh, that's oh her. I watch oh, her thing. Yeah. She's in a ton of stuff. Like but- big one. Well, that's like Big Love. She's, she is the mother of uh, Bill Paxton in Big Love, and so she's like, you know, she's married to the father that he hates and stuff like that. Uh, big Love's a really good show. You should check it out. But um, yeah, once I saw that, I'm like, oh, all right. But then yeah, you know, I forgot she was in Captain Ron. So she's in a ton of stuff. Tom Berenger is Tom Berenger, but again, people my age and younger. They're not Let me big see. Tom Berenger guys. How many people? And again, when they think of Tom Berenger, they think of like the action Tom Berenger. Well, here's the thing. How many people they think of Major League? How many that's people? That's true too. Because yeah. <laughs> like, you know what's funny is- That's such, the first thing I think of. Do you know? We have, well, that's the thing. It's like when you think of sports movies and baseball films, you think of Major League, right? That's Major the League's first, the first baseball film. See, the film. first baseball, yeah. baseball film I think of is Bull Durham. And that's just because I'm older. That's just, you know what I mean? But anyways, I love that movie. Anyways, <laughs> how many people, what percentage of people do you think realize that Tom Berenger was in Platoon, but also how many percentage of people- have you even seen Platoon? Uh, anyone who's 45 or older has probably seen Platoon. Hey. <laughs> Anybody who's 45 and younger only saw it if they're in film school. I would no, I would say that I would or their dads younger. Have made You've seen watcher. Platoon. Have you uh, not seen Platoon? I didn't see Platoon for a long time. But you saw it? In college. Okay. Did you see Full Metal Jacket in college as well? What have you seen? What did you see first? Full Metal Jacket or Platoon? Platoon. Followed by Full Metal Jacket, right. pretty much the same year, I think. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was like Saving Private Ryan and stuff like that. I'm gonna go. I was, I was gonna start going to the Vietnam films. Then I watched Hill. Thin Red Line, and I hate Thin Red Line. That's not a different film. I understand. Hamburger that. Hill. Never saw Hamburger Hill. Really? Casu- I haven't seen casu- any Vietnam Casualties films. of War. Really? Casualties of War. Yeah. That, that was like Michael J. Fox being serious. Oh, I've seen some. Is yeah, Sean Penn. I've seen some of that. Yeah. I've seen some of that. Yeah. That's why I call it like the platoon is a really good film. Platoon is great. And full metal jacket's good. Full metal jacket's really messed up, but yes, full metal jacket's really messed up, but it's, it's funny because everyone always remembers that the Nafrio character and all that stuff at the base, at the camp. And don't remember the rest of them. Yeah. It's like, you know, there was another second half of the film, (laughs) 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 which is amazing, but yeah. But again, if we're talking about why it's forgotten, why this movie is forgotten. I get to talk movies all the time. Sorry. It's, it's the lack of, it's older. It's older, and the this the fading. Fa- I don't want to say fading star power. No, they're but not. These fading. people have been in so much that the older stuff fades, and the newer stuff is what's shining bright. I think it's. A, I think it's an organic forgetfulness. I don't think it's yes. anything. It's like not that they that faded bad. away. It's yeah. that their other stuff grew because right. this is a cast of all amazing actors who do so yeah. many other things afterward. I would say I would agree, and I think that I don't. I think that people that have seen this film. I, I hope they enjoyed it. If they haven't, I say go back. Um, I mentioned it before and I wanted to mention it again. I really love the opening credit sequence. I know I got away from it. I, I, I thought it introduced all the characters. Well, I thought it told you why they were getting together. I, I love the song and I love the final shot of the wrist because it tells you, okay, this is how this guy died. I did want to point out the songs in the movie. I love that they played them during the movie. Yeah. So that instead of 
the volume just being turned up. The actors are actually talking over the music. Well, he had them talk loud so that he, he knew he was going to put music in. So it sounds like they're actually right. talking over the music that yeah. they're playing, which is natural, which right. in most movies, they just talk. Right. And the volume happens to be up because they're syncing the movie in mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was, I read the note first as I was watching the movie and then the dinner cleanup scene happened. And I was like, you know, I never really thought about it in movies. This is so much more natural and organic mm-hmm. than in other movies that play music over it. I thought that was great. I mean, sometimes they actually play music as they're just, they just play it while they're just so they doing it and they just yeah. dub it in after. But yeah, sometimes they do that as well. Yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I mean, again, uh, this, I like this film quite a bit. Um, I didn't necessarily have the same hangups you did, which is fine. Um, I don't have that many hangups. My hangups didn't affect that. I think this movie is very, right. very good. I think this is a fantastic film. I mm-hmm. just have certain issues. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's great. Well, is anything perfect? What's no, the perfect film? Perfect. Tell me a perfect film. <sighs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> every movie, every movie has issues. Right. Uh, I'm just, this podcast is about pointing out things. So it's about, I do appreciating film. I have a question for you Sure. before we close out. Okay. The very beginning of the film, everyone's affected in Alex's death in a different way or find out about it. Well, Harold is washing his son. Sarah comes into the room, takes a phone call that Alex has died. Right. They're not at, they're not at the same house. Okay. They tell him that he's at, they were, he was at the staying at their house and they were away. They were away at the time. Right. And then came back to the house. Right. And then he did it in the bathroom. That answers my question then. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. We're good. I was confused about that. I yeah. was like, would she have just called up or ran up screaming that Alex Yeah. Died? Okay. They were either at that their, makes a lot it was either sense. they were at their parents or they were at another home, like a okay. vacation. Okay. So I, I know the kids were staying at the parents. House. Right. They okay. kept them there. Yeah. And they had okay. a, yeah. Yeah. That makes more. Okay. Yeah. That answers my question. See that. Cause to your point, when she's crying, it's like, I assume that that's where he did it when she's in, when she's in the shower. Oh, okay. That's, that's that's what I assumed in that same shower, right? Because I don't think it was where the cabin is. Because oh, no, I think no, they no, were fixing that yeah. up. Yeah. I just maybe thought that the basement had its own. No, time. yeah, okay. they were just taking care. Of, they were taking care. Of, he was hanging out with them. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. Same. Yeah. yep. Okay, yeah. makes that's, sense. Okay, okay. All right. All right so uh, <laughs> where can they find us? You can find us at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com as we are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Uh, while you're there, check out all the other great podcasts and videos and stuff that we have there for you. You can also check us out on wherever you get your podcast like we said at the beginning uh spotify youtube google play apple Podcasts. that uh give us a rating a review subscribe all that helps to make our channel grow and uh check us out in the lobby on facebook where you talk about the movie how many other people saw the big chill how many people love it how many people who are under 40 like it or have seen it <laughs> hopefully a lot <laughs> so join us next week uh, we're going to be going to 2014 we're going to do a recent film we're doing the drop Starring Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini. And uh, I don't know if you never saw it. Never saw it, yeah. but I wanted to. I believe this is his last film, right? Last I don't know. It's film? it's towards the end. Yeah, it's <laughs> near where he when he passed away. So uh, which kind of sucks. But uh, again, we're going to do another film where I'm going to be depressed about who, was, who passed away. Yeah. All right. That is next week. Uh, until then, everyone have a great rest of your week. I am Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Jeremiah was a bullfrog Hi, I'm Mike And I'm Elise Host of Crackin' One Open with Mike and Elise A podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews Every Friday we choose a new craft beer from a different brewery and talk about The history of the beer What's in it How it was made. The history of the brewery. Along with tasting notes and more fun facts. After that, come chill with us as we bring you the latest in pop culture news and reviews. So check out Crackin' When Open, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.